Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Friends, I would just have to tell you, you would have to be the man named Phil Kramer to know just how powerful that is to have saints gathered around me right before I bring the Word of God uh, to you. Speaking of which, I would ask you to find Psalm 127 in your Old Testament. There in the Bible, Psalm 127. Uh, while you're finding that, let me share two things with you. First of all, next Sunday, May 21st at 9.30, uh, I'll be hosting our quarterly Membership Matters experience. Uh, membership Matters is a, is a big step on the pathway to membership here at Crossgate Church. We meet in the loft upstairs from 9.30 to 11.45, so instead of coming to church and or life group, uh, you gather with me upstairs, and we just talk about what it means to be connected with Crossgate Church and to take that next step of committing yourself and joining yourself officially to our purpose of making more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're not a member, you haven't taken that step yet, I would highly encourage you to join us uh, for next steps. And if you're just interested to know more about Crossgate Church, there's no strings attached. You can simply come and do a deep dive with us for about an hour and 45 minutes and learn everything you ever wanted to know about Crossgate Church. Maybe you're praying about uniting with us in membership. Again, I would totally encourage you to come uh, to our Membership Matters next Sunday. Uh, if you are interested, please come to our Next Steps area immediately after this service and register for the event, or you can go to crossgate.org slash events. And you can uh, register for Membership Matters uh, by that means as well. Now, here's the other thing I want to point out. Next Sunday also, immediately after our second service, we will be hosting a disaster relief ministry team meeting. Uh, many of you know that this is really the most exciting new ministry we have at Crossgate Church right now that we've launched in 2023. In January, we had our first interest meeting, and over 40 of you came out expressing interest in becoming a part of our gospel-centered disaster relief ministry here at Crossgate Church. Since then, uh, we've gotten a number of our people trained by the Arkansas Baptist State Convention disaster relief team. Uh, we've also taken uh, possession of a, tr of a fully stocked disaster relief trailer, and uh, through the uh, spearheading efforts of Brian Costello, and I'll tell you, if you see Brian, just let him know how much you appreciate him spearheading our efforts. We've deployed our team several times already, specifically in support of uh, the tornado relief there in, in uh, West Little Rock and also Jacksonville. Now, if you haven't yet become a part of the disaster relief effort at Crossgate Church, this is the perfect time for you to come and just kind of get a sense of what we're all about. So at 1215 next Sunday, also in the loft upstairs, I want to highly encourage you to come out and either uh, just get a sense of what we're doing, or if you're already a part of the team, come on and let's talk about what our next steps are as a disaster relief team. Now, that said, today we're going to kick this message off with an, an online poll, a live online poll. So I want you to go to slido.com, slido.com, or some of you have already downloaded the app on your device from our previous sessions, and put that event code in, slido.com. The event code is 3437975. And what that's going to do is it's going to take you to an online poll. We're just going to ask one question this morning, and that is this, who's your favorite celebrity archer, meaning like bows and arrows type stuff, okay? And you're going to have five choices, all right? Who's your favorite celebrity archer? You got five choices, Legolas the Elf, Katniss Everdeen, you've got Hawkeye from Marvel, you've got the uh, Disney Meridoc character, and for all you old timers out there, you've got Kevin Costner as Robin Hood, all right? So 
just go to that and start voting. All right, we've already had several votes. Go ahead and vote. Just click whichever one you like. All right, so far so good. We see several people voting. We're going to take just a moment for this. Yes, this does have a spiritual purpose, so just bear with me, okay? All right, Legolas is in the lead. That's good. I personally voted for Legolas. That's all right, okay? I see Katniss Everdeen in a close second. All right, some of you old-timers need to vote. Robin Hood is not doing so well. All right, here we go. Oh, somebody just texted me, said Green Arrow. Sorry, honorable mention. He didn't make the list. All right, all right here we go. One, two, three. By a, by a very slim margin, it looks like Legolas the Elf is our celebrity archer at Crossgate Church. That's fine with me because that's who I voted for. Now, what does this have to do with God and the Bible and all the rest? Well, regardless of who your celebrity archer may be, if you're a parent here, you need to understand the Bible says that you are an archer. Did you know that? The Bible has said that you have some arrows and you have a bow. And your job is to shape, to sharpen, and to shoot those arrows. Let's begin reading in Psalm 127, okay? Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a treasure from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the warrior who fills their quiver with them. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So over the course of this next-gen teaching series, we've talked a lot about the what and the why of making more and better disciples in the next generation. But today, we're going to crank the volume way up on the how. We're just going to get very practical today when it comes to discipling the next generation for Jesus Christ, shaping, sharpening, and shooting the arrows that God has given you. But as we get into that, can we all simply agree that verse 3 is the truth? That children are a treasure from the Lord? That the fruit of the womb is a reward from God? Can, can we all just agree on that? I, I give it a big amen. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, we lean into the next generation because we believe children are an absolute blessing. But is that what our culture teaches? Is that what our world believes? You know, I think when we look at what's going on in our world today, we realize that children, in many cases, are more of a distraction. Some people see children as a distraction or a burden. I mean, just think about the birth rate. In, in all Western nations, the United States being one, the birth rate is going down, down, down. Listen to this professor from Columbia University. For the nation's population to reproduce itself, the total fertility rate needs to be at least 2,100 births per 1,000 women or just over two children for every woman. In 2021, the rate was 1,663 births per 1,000 women, which was too few babies being born to keep the population stable. If the trend isn't halted by 2035, the population of people over 65 will be greater than those under 18. That imbalance will overtax, among other things, retirement and healthcare systems. That's just stating the facts. There's all kinds of complex whys behind that, but I will tell you one of the big whys is because people think there's much more important things to do than to raise up children, to have children raise them up. God told us at least twice in the Bible, be fruitful and multiply. And in some cases, sadly, people see children as a burden 
that's keeping them from something more important. Well, what could be more important than, than having and raising children? Listen to this, just one example. This is from a, an article I saw just last week, Modernity is Making You Sterile, from The Spectator. Most schools of feminism cheer on the dwindling of our species, having observed correctly that motherhood is tiring, painful, time-consuming, and restricts women's career opportunities. If we assume that the goal of feminism is to maximize women's freedom, then motherhood is merely an inconvenient roadblock. As one of my friends observed soon after having her first baby, the only thing that limits your freedom more than having a newborn is going to prison. She's right. Now look, there, listen. You don't have to have all of this and none of this. So many of you ladies do an unbelievable job of balancing so many different things in life, but I will tell you, God has said your number one priority is your children, right? It's your number one priority. There's all this balancing act that has to take place in our culture today, but your number one priority is your children. Now, what we see in Gen Z especially is a burden even about the environment and global warming. Watch this. This is from, just the title of this article is incredibly sad, A World Without Children, from The Atlantic. Miley Cyrus vowed not to have a baby on this piece of blank planet. I X that out. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, mused in an Instagram video about whether it's still okay to have children. Polls suggest that a third or more of Americans younger than 45 either don't have children or expect to have fewer than they might otherwise because they are worried about climate change. Millennials and Gen Z are not the first generation to have concerns about the world into which they will bring children, but it seems they are the first to seriously entertain whether that means they should stop having children altogether. Now again, this is a complex issue. And why do we even bring this up? I'll tell you why I bring it up. Because if we believe that verse 3 of Psalm 107 is true, regardless of what the world says, then everything else doesn't really matter in terms of what we're going to say this morning, if we disagree with verse 3. But if we agree that children are a blessing, a treasure, a reward from God, then we will have laser focus on our task at hand, our opportunity at hand, and that is found in 3 John 4, I want this to be burned into the heart of every single parent here. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. That's a parent's priority for moms and dads. And that's where we're going today as we talk about shaping, sharpening, and shooting the arrows that God has given us. So let's talk along those lines. First of all, let's talk about shaping your arrows. Now, back in the Bible days, you know, the archers with their bows, they couldn't just drive their chariots over to Bass Pro Shops and get a, get a carbon or aluminum or composite uh, computer-manufactured arrow that, that's, that's straight to within one-thousandth of an inch. They couldn't do that. They had to go out and make their own arrows, and how did they do that? Out of crooked sticks. They made arrows out of crooked sticks. May I tell you something, Mom and Dad? This is something you already know anyway. Your children are not born straight as an arrow. They're born as crooked sticks. Children, just like you, we're all sinners. We're born in sin. We are, we are separated from God, and the biggest need that each and every one of us have is to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the most important thing. You say, my little child's a sinner? Yes, your little baby, your little child is a sinner. My little angel? Oh, yes. 
As a matter of fact, what you'll find out is that the, the, the longer your, your angel's legs get, the shorter and smaller their wings are going to get. All right? And the fact is, your children are sinners in need of a Savior. And that's why the most important thing you can possibly do, the most important thing you could possibly give, in fact, when my daughter and her husband got married right out there last July, and I performed the ceremony, I said, I said, the most important thing that we can possibly give you is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing as your parents we could give you is the gospel. And so I want to challenge you. Share the gospel with your kids. Share the gospel with your kids and, and encourage them and bring them to a place when they are ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1, here it is right here, the formula for response. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe in the gospel, and follow me. You know, I thought about something just this week, and we're talking about small children now. You know, if you've got small children, or even if you have grandchildren in your house from time to time, one of the simplest things, and we're talking very practical now, one of the simplest things you can do to help your children become acquainted with the gospel of Jesus Christ is by drawing a little cartoon for them known as the bridge. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the uh, three circles, you know, the app, Life on Mission app, which is great. I love using that to share the gospel in different contexts. But when you're talking with smaller children, you can't get any better and more relevant than the bridge. So the bridge goes something like this. In the beginning, God created. There's God. You just draw a little circle and draw the word God in the circle. And he created the first two human beings. We know them as Adam and Eve in the Bible, right? Unfortunately, even though they enjoyed this wonderful relationship with God, Adam and Eve sinned. And because they sinned, they were separated from God. You can give them a little scripture verse, Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because all have sinned, the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. You just draw a little line going straight down into the chasm there. Romans 6.23, Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. And then you can simply explain to your child, but God loved us so much, and he wanted to be with us and us to be with him. He made a way for us to come to him. And then you just draw a little cross. That's why it's called the bridge. And you do another scripture, 1 Peter 3.18, that says Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Very simple cartoon that you could draw. And, and not just once, but use the drip method. Draw it. I mean, your kids should be familiar with this. And then the pinnacle, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is the great statement right here. Salvation is available but it's not automatic. The cross is there, but it still requires a volitional commitment, a faith commitment on the part of every single man, woman, boy, and girl. That's the most important decision you could ever make. You tell your kids that. Tell your grandkids that. That's, baby, that's the most important decision you could ever make. And then the last thing you see is a little line going over there for anyone who trusts Jesus. That is a suit, that's as simple as it gets, folks. And you, I've drawn that on napkins and restaurants. I've drawn it, listen, I've drawn that in the dirt in Iraq, in, in Afghanistan, explaining the gospel to soldiers and, uh, and service members. But you could very easily draw this out for your kids. Share with them the gospel, but also share with them your story too. 
Do your children know how you came to know Jesus Christ personally? Do they know your testimony? Do they know your story? Have you shared it with them on a regular basis? They ought to know. I mean, my kids know, know mine backwards and forwards only because they heard me say it so many times preaching. So I kind of got a leg up on y'all, okay? I, I got that. But the fact is, everybody should be sharing their, their salvation testimony with their children and, and their grandchildren. Let them know. Share it in such a way that they would know, you know, this is the most important decision I ever made in my whole life. I've made a lot of decisions over the years, but this is the most important decision I've ever made in my whole life. Share the gospel with them. That's how you shape the arrows from crooked sticks into arrows in the first place. Sharing your story, being intentional. We're never as intentional as we think we are. Share the gospel with them. Now, here's the second thing. Not only should we be shaping the arrows, but we should be sharpening the arrows. Sharpen your arrows. Now, again, back in the Bible days, they couldn't just go to Bass Pro Shops or get online and order some, some razor-sharp, computer-generated broadheads like we do today when we take, they take those out for hunting and so forth. They had, to, they had to work on those things and sharpen them and, 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 and get them to the point. Because here's the thing. You could have the straightest arrow in the world, but without a sharpened point on that arrow, what good is it? It's not going to accomplish what it was sent to do. And so there's, there's, a, there's a process of sharpening our arrows and discipling our children intentionally, repeatedly as a part of a process. There's tons of resources out there uh, for, for this process of, of sharpening our arrows, but one very, very good one that just came out a few years ago is a book by Chris Swain and his wife, Melissa. It's called Write It on Their Hearts. I've actually referenced this book a couple times over the last year or so, and some of you uh, parents, especially some of you ladies, have already gotten a copy of this. I think we've had one or two life groups who have gone through this book. But for those of you mothers out there who do not yet have a copy of this book, we've got free copies for you out in the mall area right after the service. Just go out to the mall area. We'll have them out on the table there. Please limit one per family. There's many different resources out there, but I will tell you, this is a great one. And let this be our gift to you, moms, if you don't have a copy of Write It on Their Hearts. But I'm going to give you about four things here, four specific things to think about, very practical, very practical things to help you to sharpen your arrows, whether they be five or six years old or 12 years old or 18 years old or wherever they are in the age spectrum. All right, but here's one especially for you parents of younger children. Here's a great one, okay? Lead them to pray and sing. Lead your children to pray and sing. One of the great things about prayer and singing is you don't have to be able to read in order to pray and sing. Isn't that right? I mean, the youngest of all children, some of you, we, we certainly did this in our home, we sang to our kids in the womb. Uh, Bauer, Lightsey, y'all remember what songs we sang to y'all? Well, probably they don't remember it, but anyway, I'm sure it had some kind of effect, okay? I don't want to put my boys on the spot here, but anyway. The fact is that the smallest of children can appreciate a song. And the smallest of children can appreciate a prayer. So don't, don't hesitate. Don't wait and say, well, you know, once they get to a certain age, listen, they're, they're never too young to hear you singing, Mom and Dad. Not just in church, but around your house. They're never too young to recognize the power of prayer. By the way, for those of you with school-age children, elementary, middle school, uh, I, I want to encourage you. 
You know, one of the things we've done at Crossgate Church over the last couple of years is we have prioritized prayer in time and space. Okay, prioritized prayer in time and space. We've created several touch points across the week. A prayer partner network, certainly you saw our, our, uh, one of our life groups praying up here with me. We've got House of Prayer on Sunday morning uh, in the loft. We've got House of Prayer Wednesday evenings right here at 6 p.m. I want to encourage you. And every parent understands the realm of possibilities with their own child, okay? So, so you've got to figure this out for yourself. But I want to encourage you, parents of school-age children specifically, if you're here on campus on Wednesday nights, I, I encourage you, bring your child to House of Prayer at 6 o'clock. We're in here from 6 to about 6.25. We have some, some time of silent prayer. There's a little music playing, nothing spectacular. And then we'll have some guided prayers, a time of guided prayer. Uh, we, we've had a few parents and families bring their school-aged children into house of prayer. You might be surprised. And yes, I know you're thinking, oh my goodness, if I brought my kid in here, who knows what would happen, right? But the fact is, you may be surprised at the impact that that has on your children when, when, they're, when they're with you in that corporate setting in a time of prayer. Okay, so that, that's one thing, just very practical. Lead your children to pray and sing. Here's the second thing. Okay? The second thing is this, equip them to read, reflect, and respond. Equip them to read, reflect, and respond using specifically the hear journal method. Now we're talking children a little older, certainly uh, school-age children, uh, elementary, but once you get into middle school and high school, absolutely, this is very accessible. And this is one of the chapters out of Chris Swain's book. Chris Swain, as well as uh, Pastor Robbie Gallaty from Long Hollow Church in Nashville, uh, have, have really popularized the HEAR journal method, H-E-A-R. If, if you're a part of a D group, a discipleship group at Crossgate Church, you know all about these because this is the heart and soul of, of a discipleship group at Crossgate Church. But this is what it looks like. You read a, a chapter from the Bible, just one chapter. Don't try to take too much in. One chapter from the Bible. And then you're going to reflect upon what you just read using this acronym, H-E-A-R. Take a sheet of paper and write down H-E-A-R down the left side of the page, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to highlight, just, just select one to two verses from that chapter that you read, something that jumps out at you. Maybe the Lord was, was, was prompting you in, in some way about a verse or two. And all you're going to do to highlight is you're just going to write out the verse. That's it. No commentary, no nothing. Just write out the verse. Then you're going to explain. And here's a couple of questions, and, and you explain it in one or two sentences. You don't have to write a dissertation. Just write out one or two sentences. Uh, a couple of questions. To whom was it originally written? What's the audience? Uh, how does it fit into the verses before and after it? Why did the Holy Spirit include this passage in the book? You're just explaining what it meant then. Then you go down to A, apply, H-E-A. How does this apply to my life? What is God saying to me personally through these verses? Uh, again, the whole idea is to reflect how many of us read our Bibles, but we never actually take any time to, to intentionally reflect on what we just read? Very few of us, I would guess. H-E-A and then R, respond. What promise do I need to claim or what action do I need to take based on these verses? And you might just simply write it out in terms of a prayer. That's the best way to do it for small children is to say, God, please help me to love my neighbor or please help me to love my brothers and sisters or, or not fight or fuss in the house or whatever, right? H-E-A-R. you got to read the book to get a, a broader explanation of a here journal entry. But I will tell you, you will be paying your children huge dividends if you equip them to read, reflect, 
and respond to the Word of God. I wish, this is so simple, but I wish someone had trained me in this 25 years ago. It would have, it would have been a massive game changer for me as a, as a believer, but also as a minister and as a pastor, right? So equip your children, and again, you could start early, and you should start early. Equip your children to read, reflect, and respond. Okay, third, here's the third thing. Help them to experience God's power through the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll be honest. Most Christians are living the Christian life in their own strength. I mean, that's just, that's just fact. Most Christians are just kind of just, just gutting it out and just gritting their teeth, and it's like they're just on a treadmill. I'm, just, I'm on a spiritual treadmill, and that's where a lot of Christians are at. They're, they're living the Christian life in their own strength. That's why they're exhausted. They're worn out because they're not living it in the strength of God in them. And the problem is that in many cases, when we want to disciple our children, what we're basically doing is saying, come on up here, Johnny. Get on the treadmill with me, and let's run on this treadmill together. Come on, Susie. Jump on the treadmill with Mommy and Daddy. That, that's, that's where so many are, because we, so many are living or trying to live the Christian life in their own strength. But the fact is that God never intended for us to do that. In fact, it's impossible to live the Christian life in your own strength. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not you, it's Jesus in you, living his life in and through you. That's the, that's the, the foundational principle of the Christian life, of following Jesus Christ. And of course, Ephesians 5 verse 8 simply says this, be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means that you have yielded yourself to the Lordship of Jesus and the presence of God so that self is no longer in charge, but the Spirit in you is in charge and calling the shots and empowering you to make those decisions that, that turn into the Christian life that honors God, that loves God, that loves your neighbor, and, 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 and makes your life more and more like Jesus Christ. Why, why do we say this? Because, again, we're, we're not simply discipling our kids to say, come on, jump on the treadmill with me. Isn't this fun, man? And you're just wearing yourself out. Now, there's so much more we can say about this. I would encourage you, Mom and Dad, if you missed our series last year called Deeper Waters, Experiencing the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to go to our website. You can go to our Vimeo channels, to Deeper Waters, or to our YouTube page. The videos are all on there, and you can watch and listen to those and refresh your memory. If you, if you were a part of those series, if you didn't, I would absolutely encourage you to go watch them. But understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the last thing, the practical thing, very practical for you to disciple your kids, inspire them to be generous with their time, their talents, and their treasure. Inspire them to be generous with their time, their talents, and their treasure. So you as well as I know that we are living in a culture in which the next generation is coming up in a world filled with digital posturing, self promotion, narcissism, and flexing on other people with tweets, posts, videos, reels, all of that. Because this world is all about emphasizing me and self. 
And the problem is that when we do that, we're not the other-centered people and Jesus followers that God wants us to be. One of the greatest scriptures that, that just absolutely runs headlong into where our culture is going is Philippians chapter 2. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Don't be selfish. This is the New Living Translation, by the way. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. To inspire the next generation along those lines, that is a massive, massive win for parents and for families. I'm reminded of William Booth. I think I shared this with you several years ago. William Booth founded the Salvation Army way back in the 1860s. And by the time he was a very old man, I think the year was 1912, he was still the leader, the general of the Salvation Army. And his followers came to him and they said, uh, General Booth, we need you to send out a, a word of encouragement for Christmas this year to all the Salvation Army workers all across the world. And, and we're going to send out a telegram. But General Booth, just keep in mind, uh, telegram costs by the word. So we can't have this long, drawn-out message. Just try to keep it brief. And William Booth said, oh, I've got, a, I've got a message for the entire Salvation Army workforce out there, and it's in one word. And they sent out a telegram that went across the world with this one word, others. And that, that's, that's the discipling that we need to be having in our children's lives, others, with our time, our talent, our treasure, investing in others. Certainly one of the ways we can do that is to inspire our our next generation to serve is by serving ourselves. Not serving ourselves, but serving in our own way as God leads. Right? Putting our hand onto the plow and investing in the lives of other people, specifically in the local church. And I tell you, I, I love the way we, we love one another in our community, but I can tell you there's always room for a greater emphasis on an others-centered congregation. Pastor David Platt has said this. I share this in Membership Matters every time, by the way. There are two kinds of people in every church, those with an apron around their waist and those with a bib around their neck, the servers and the consumers, right? I mean, there, there are some people in our church, I am absolutely blown away, and I mean, put to shame by, by how well they serve and invest in other people and love on people around them, right? But we've got a lot of folks in our church who kind of come, and get their Jesus on here in our, in our worship service, which is wonderful and awesome, right? But beyond that, pretty much just consuming, not, not really serving, not really putting their hands on an opportunity of service somewhere at Crossgate Church. Uh, we talk about next steps, and this is our, our next steps disciple-making strategy is, is really grounded in four big decisions. Make a decision, trust Christ, be baptized, join a group, unite with a life group, become a part of biblical community, become a member. Again, we talked about that uh, for Membership Matters next week. And then the, the most open-ended one of them all is meet a need. Jesus calls all of us to meet the needs of people around us. And mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, if you're discipling a child or a grandchild, one of the best things you can possibly do is to set the pace, set the example in a local church such as Crossgate Church, and to serve others. If you're not currently serving in any capacity here at Crossgate Church, I would encourage you, simply come by our Next Steps area and say, what, what are the options? We've got a ton of options, no matter who you are, no matter how old or young you are, or, or, or whatever. I mean, there are many ways to serve others 
at Crossgate Church. And I'm telling you, one of the best ways to disciple the next generation to be generous with their time is to be generous with your time as well. Serving, but also giving of our treasure. Giving back to God. I'm telling you, we live in a world where materialism is absolutely rampant. And again, looking at the next generation coming up that, that, that seems to, con- I know this is not necessarily true all the time, but seems to have a screen in their face constantly, it's never been easier to be eaten up by materialism than it is in this day and age. Isn't that right? You can just be absolutely inundated every single day, 24-7, with what other people have and the vacations that other people are taking and what other people are doing and what other people are driving and all of these things. And it's so easy to be wrapped up in materialism and forget that God is the Lord of everything we have and everything we ever will have. Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is a great scripture to share with your children. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is today. Everything you have and everything you ever will have belongs ultimately to God. That's an incredible message, a simple but profound message that you can give and should give to your children. Everything you have belongs to God. Hey, here's a very practical question, very practical question. Do your kids know how much you give back to God every month? I mean, do they, do they have like a dollar amount, even a ballpark dollar amount of what you give back to God, right? Now, that's obviously age appropriate and based on the, the, the maturity level of a child because it's not as if you're bragging or somehow spotlighting yourself, but your children need to know what you have invested. You have some skin in the game in the body of Christ, Your children need to know that. I will tell you, we've sat down and talked to our kids about this from time to time. Again, not to grandstand or parade ourselves around, but simply to say, hey, kids, I want you to know this is what we do with what God gives us. God gives us this much every month, and we slice off the first. It's actually a a good bit above 10%, but we slice off a percentage first and give it back to God. That's what we do. That's what God tells us to do. Here's what the Bible says about it. And listen, you should be having these conversations with your kids. Do your children have any clue or any, any sense in the world of what you give back to God on a regular basis? It all belongs to him anyway. Here's the other thing. When your kids get to the point of going out and getting a job for themselves, maybe they're, they're, uh, you know, they're babysitting or they're working in some place out in town or, or some little part-time job, sit down and talk to them and say, hey, he, here's what you need to do. If you don't have a Realm account already set up at church, let's get you set up with a Realm account, and you need to start, even if it's a small amount, Again, God is not interested in the amount per se. He's interested in the faithfulness. You, a, a, a small amount, and just start establishing this habit of giving a portion back to God. It's huge. And, and in this, I'm telling you, friend, in this world of rampant materialism, there's nothing that will check materialism more than, than, than the, the, the free will, volitional slicing off of something that God has given you and giving it right back to him. That that will nip materialism in the bud. Listen, there's so many things that go into sharpening our arrows. And I said, as I said just a moment ago, we're not as intentional as we think we are. It's a process. It's a process of, of training and equipping and inspiring and helping and encouraging and teaching and over and over again, as the Bible says, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's the drip method as you're just, you're just constantly discipling 
and shaping. But here's the last thing. Not only do we shape the arrows, and not only do we sharpen the arrows, but ultimately we got to shoot the arrows. I don't think there was a single archer back in Bible days that, that simply had this massive arrow collection. Oh, man, look at all these cool arrows I got. Oh, let me show you my arrows, right? No, they had the arrows for one purpose, that they might shoot the arrows. But here's the question. What target are you shooting them at? What target are you shooting your arrows at? You only got two choices, either your target or God's target. Either your target or God's target. And I'm just going to be very transparent with you here. I think this is a huge struggle for a lot of parents because, yes, they do believe that they need to invest and, and, and develop and disciple their kids, but ultimately they want to shoot the arrow at their target. I want my kid to follow in my footsteps professionally or financially or academically or, uh, you know, in, in a leisure type of way. I, I, I want my kid to play this sport. I want my kid to have this career track. I want my kid to go to this school. Is that your target or God's target? By the way, I saw an interesting article a few years ago. It said that the sport of lacrosse was absolutely blowing up in the United States over the last 15 or 20 years. Lacrosse has blown up. Why? Well, one of the many reasons is because that's the one sport that kids can play these days that their parents didn't play. It, it, you know, I don't want my dad coaching. I don't want my mom. I, 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 just, I want to just kind of do my thing, right? See, it, are, are you going to shoot your arrow at your target or at God's target? Now, I'm not saying that the two couldn't have some overlap, in some cases a lot of overlap. But are you saying, God, what is your target for my child? And then are you willing to simply let go and shoot them at that target? I will tell you what God's target primarily is, and I shared this with you earlier in the service. Here you go. 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. That's it. That's God's target for your child. Anything else beyond that is gravy. That's the meat and potatoes. They may not choose your career path. They may not choose to embrace all the things that you enjoy doing in your leisure time. They might not want to go to the school that you went to. Guess what, mom and dad? That's okay. It is okay as long as you are directing them to walk in the truth. You know, I don't know about you, but this series has been challenging to me because it has reminded me as a dad that I need to be pursuing God. How can I possibly expect to disciple my kids in any area where I hadn't been myself? It's been a challenge to me. I pray it's been a challenge to you, mom and dad, because remember, there's the, there's the arrows, and there's the bow, but somebody's got to pull that bow back and let that arrow release, and that's you. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.